A symptom of working really hard is trying to figure out why you're working so hard, right? Mm -hmm. So, again, like I said, I think there is something intrinsic, whether it be genetic or it's something my parents did to me where I was when I was a little <laughs> kid. That's just like work hard, like do it, like you're you're not worth anything if you don't work hard, which is a stark way to put it, but. It makes me work hard. Yeah, that's yeah. true. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. What's up, everyone? Andy here. Welcome back to another episode of Bindalism, a philosophy to a self-sufficient lifestyle. This episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing the creator of Takeout Shorts, Sammy Headland. Sammy is a Minneapolis native who moved to Burlington, Vermont to explore college and figure out what he wanted to do with life. This project soon became a brand that Sammy would turn into a viable business, Takeout Shorts. We get into everything behind Takeout Shorts, Sammy's background, and how things are now, present day. It's a really cool story about of creativity, hustle, passion, you name it, it's there. I'm really excited to share, share this one with you guys, so I'm not gonna talk anymore. Let's just get right into it. Episode 25 of Bindalism with Sammy Headland. Enjoy. So we are here in Burlington, Vermont. I'm here. What's your full name? I'm Sammy Headland. Sammy Headland. He is the creator of Takeout Shorts, a local brand in Burlington, Vermont. So we're just going to talk about his story and everything to do with Takeout Shorts. So if you want to say hi to the, the fellow <laughs> listeners. Hi, I'm Sammy. How's it going, everybody? Um, yeah, Andy, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this be pretty absolutely. Cool. I I actually was told by someone I work with, Sophie, um, to hit you up at some point when I moved here. She actually showed me your Instagram page like second week on the job. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was still new. So I didn't really like I wasn't ready to uh, start networking quite yet until I got my shit together. But I'm glad that we finally made it happen. So um, so you're where are you originally from? Originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Interesting, okay. Yeah, there's not many of us out here in Burlington, but made the move when I came to UVM as a freshman. Okay. Yeah. And What came, year was that? That would be 2015. I'm a senior at UVM right now. Okay, So cool. So you grew up in Minneapolis, mm -hmm. and did you live anywhere else at, or just Minneapolis like this the whole time? Minneapolis, born and bred right in the city. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's sick. Mm -hmm. So what, what was it like? Living in Minneapolis. It's a really good spot. Um, I compare it to like, <laughs> for folks out here, compare it to like a metropolitan Burlington, right? Okay. People out there um, tend to vibe with the same kind of things. You might sense. describe them as liberals, as hippies, as progressives. Um but it is a really cool environment. Um, it was a really cool place to grow up, especially. 
one of my favorite parts about Minneapolis is the public park system. It has more square footage of public park per area of the total city out of like any major city in the U.S. So Damn. I grew up right in the city, but I was always around green space. So I was always messing around, yeah. skinning my knees, kicking it's, a soccer ball. It's really interesting that like I wasn't expecting you to say Minneapolis, yeah. but um, I was actually Minneapolis was a spot that I was very interested in moving to after college and yeah. just didn't kind of work out in terms of logistics wise. But um, yeah, that was one thing that drew me was the whole there's like tons of lakes and like shit to do outside mm -hmm. and that stuff's like super awesome. So you grew up in Minneapolis and you know, uh, what, what kind of, what kind of stuff were you doing at a young age that was getting you into kind of this creative space that you're working in now? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I wasn't really thinking about hustling as a little kid. I was mostly just messing around, skinning my knee in the alley, pushing around my skateboard, gotcha. that kind of thing. Okay. So like, but, I mean, looking back now, can you identify any things that kind of stand out? Like, oh, like that may have kind of led to where you are now. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to come up with like some formative moments, but I guess really I've always just been a, a creative person. Um, and I've always had a lot of fun making original, unique stuff. So when I was a little kid running around on my block, I used to make like iMovie videos with, with all my yeah. friends. And I much prefer that to sitting inside playing video games. Hell yeah. Yeah. So uh, how, how long have you been doing takeout shorts? Just over a year now. So yeah, <laughs> still in startup mode, but gaining traction mm -hmm. more and more every day. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so what was the, you know, deciding factor where you're like, I want to do, you know, I want to take on this venture? Sure, yeah. So I can give you kind of the, the little backstory of Takeout. Yeah. Um, so I've always been, like I just touched on, kind of a, a creative-minded dude. Um, I've never been like a visual artist or anything like that, mm -hmm. but I've always like, um, I've always taken a lot of, joy from yeah making stuff and mm -hmm. yeah so another aspect of my personality that lends itself to entrepreneurship is I really like doing things my own way um I'm blessed or cursed with a, a terrible bout of hubris <laughs> I'm always like <laughs> when when other when I see other people doing stuff I'm always like that's really cool but like if I were to do it, I would do it this way. Right. Yeah. And I feel that. So for that reason, I've I've never been able to see myself um, working in like a, a standard corporate setting, working just like taking orders from a boss or anything. Got it. Um, and you know, I know as I get older and older, I learn that's not necessarily what corporations are like. But I always kind of wanted to do my own thing. So mm. coming into school, I for a while was an education major because I was like, I want to oh, wow. be a teacher. Like I can... What kind of teaching did you, were you like leaning towards? I was aiming for high school history, which Ooh, okay. fun fact is like the most common education degree. Cause like, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just cause like it's a history is like storytelling. And like, if you have a good history teacher, then People are I like, oh, that. this is a yeah. cool subject, right? So I would say like some of my history teachers were like some of my favorites. Absolutely, sure. yeah. And 
I'm sure that history teachers on an individual level were really good, but the subject itself lends itself to, right. um, you can, you can put whatever you want into it. It's not like math where there's an accepted way, an accepted best practice for teaching math. Yeah. So was on track to become, to major in secondary education with a focus in history. Again, just because I wanted to have a career with a lot of autonomy. I wanted to kind of do things my own way. Ended up realizing that I didn't want to pigeonhole myself, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like 18 or 19. I was like, okay, this is really cool, but if I get that degree, then I'm stuck doing that job. And then like, not meaning, stu meaning stuck as in like, you would feel obligated to be a teacher at that point. Right. Cause you spent all that time getting, well, you need your masters, right? To like teach. Yeah. So that's like what, five years at least. So actually at public schools, you can do four years of school and then go and get a teaching certificate online. Oh, like okay. Half year school. Okay. So, but it was more like I'm spending all this money on college and I felt weird about committing super hard to like a career path, right? Got it. Because mm -hmm. I could acknowledge that I was still a kid and as much as I like to, as much as I didn't like to admit it, I didn't actually have everything figured out. I realized yeah. that maybe in a couple of years teaching won't sound so cool, even, mm -hmm. though, even though it does yeah. right now. I felt the same way. I mean, I did, I did go like hardcore into just like going in the business route, but mm -hmm. I felt like that was such a broad area to go into that I wasn't pigeonholing exactly. by like, I'm going to be a history teacher. That's right. very specific, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so you decided against going or did you, you did go to school for it at first? Went to school for it at first. Okay. Transferred into an entrepreneurship major my junior year, um, which I am on track to graduate with in about a month. Hell yeah. That's yeah. sick. So super excited for that. Um, but with that entrepreneurship major, um, same kind of theme. I was drawn to it because of the autonomy afforded by that degree. Yeah. You can do a job with that that, again, is, is self-directed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So what exactly does a entrepreneurship degree give you? So the technical title is Community Entrepreneurship at UVM. It's this program called CDAE, under this program called CDA, which is Community Development Development and Applied Economics. Okay. So essentially, I like to call it diet business. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I take a lot of marketing classes. Um, I take mm. some finance classes, a lot of economics classes. Um, and then there's also like a sociology aspect mixed in and that's like the community side of it. So a little bit of soft skills, a little bit of hard yeah. skills. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds very similar in terms of <clears throat> topics that I covered in like my business administration major, mm -hmm. but I think the outcome's different because of what you probably have to do course wise. Yeah. Like uh, coursework wise, mm -hmm. I would assume. So like, have you had to do like any sorts of projects uh, yeah, so the program does a good job of being as hands-on as possible mm -hmm. and as community-based as possible here in Burlington, um, which is cool. Uh, for example, I took this one class where we set up pop-up shops outside of the student union called the Davis Center. 
for like an entire month. So mm-hmm. probably twice a week we would table outside and sell a product that we had come up with. The product that my group did was these lighters that were covered in students' art. So we'd like take a lighter, cool. wrap it in like some art that some student made and then just hawk it outside the Davis Center yeah. for whoever needed to smoke weed or, <laughs> or something else. How that did that like work? It worked pretty well, yeah, and I had I had fun with it. Yeah, that sounds pretty pretty cool. Yeah. I do have some critiques about the major though. Yeah. If I were to go to school again with the knowledge that I currently have about what the courses would be like, mm-hmm. probably wouldn't choose it. The reason being it's pretty easy. Okay. Not super challenging. Um, and most of my peers in those classes chose the community entrepreneurship major, not necessarily because entrepreneurship was their calling, but because it's, easy. it's an easy major, right? There are kids that don't want the rigor of the business program. So they're like, oh, I'll do entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. Um, okay. But that being said, I have learned a lot from it. it there have been plenty of valuable yeah. experiences. So is taking the, was taking this path what let you like what led you to taking on your own venture? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I would say it accelerated the rate at which I was able to start a business, but I've pretty much had it in my head. Um, well, I've had it in my head for a long time that I'd like to own my own business. Mm-hmm. So taking classes in financial management at the same time as I'm trying to find an accountant and teach myself QuickBooks was super valuable. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I feel that quick. And, and that's just like stuff that you could learn like on Google too. Absolutely. So like you yeah. have tons of resources for that for sure. Um, Okay, so let's let's get a little bit into takeout shorts, and then we can kind of work from there. Um, so why don't you just kind of explain like what takeout shorts is and kind of what you've done so far? Absolutely, yeah. So like I said, started about a year ago or so, mm-hmm. and it started with me and one of my roommates, Caleb Wynn, great guy, just wanting to teach ourselves how to sew. So I called up my parents. I said, hey, mama, can you send me that old sewing machine? My sister's old sewing machine that's Mm -hmm. up in our attic. Um, She sent that over. I mostly just wanted to mess around and tailor some of the clothes that I had and potentially try to make some other cool stuff, Um, just like unique clothing pieces that I could wear and flex on campus. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, that custom gear. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Um, But Caleb and I um, started sewing a bunch and um, started making, like, we, we made some, like, cool fleece pants. We made some shorts. And I was posting all the sewing I was doing on my Instagram story. Um, and I was really surprised by the positive reception it had. People like, were, people were people messaging you about it and stuff? Exactly. Yeah, and cool. um, people were more than just impressed with the fact that I was sewing. They were impressed with my designs. They're like, that's cool, that's unique, that's something I would totally wear. So that was super affirming and kind of planted the seed that this could turn into something a little bigger than just me having fun with the sewing right. machine. Okay. So from there, um, I started um, honing in on a design for shorts. And I started making shorts 
trying to figure out. I was like, it's like in my room tearing up my favorite shorts just to like <laughs> figure out how the, how all the panels fit together and yeah. then stitching them back together, making little bl blueprints on cardboard, and just kind of prototyping these shorts and sewing shorts over and over again. So I uh, was ultimately working towards just like being able to make a pair of shorts and then like give it to my friends. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Did you have a logo at first? Was it just strictly like, I'm just kind of messing around with tailoring stuff? So at that point it was still, I'm just, I'm just having fun sewing. Um, but I can't pinpoint a specific time but at some point I was like, hmm, this could become a brand. Like this could you be- You saw the potential. Exactly, yeah. saw the potential there. And I decided to call it takeout shorts. It's a double entendre. <laughs> um, one references takeout food, which everyone loves. Yeah. Um, it's like kind of a cool pedestrian aspect of American culture. It's and that's like, what the logo is too, right? It's yeah, like absolutely. Bag from takeout, yeah, mm -hmm. which is so, <laughs> it's so clever too. Yeah. It's like, it's just good, like easy design. I like, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. We, Definitely but, like, like, uh, very memorable. Like, I don't know another brand that looks like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like very unique in that sense. Cool. Well, thanks for saying so. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was going for. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good, obviously. Like, mm -hmm. the more you stand out, the better. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So, I like, um, decided on the name Takeout Shorts. Takeout, ubiquitous. Everyone loves it. Mm -hmm. And the second meaning behind it is like, take out, take outside. I wanted to make some cool outdoorsy shorts mm. that you could go outside and, you know, bust ass in and be fine. <laughs> So decided on that and kicked off a little Instagram account just to, um, at this point it was really still just like a little personal project. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want to get too excited about it before. Yeah. Kind of checking the pulse of my audience. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you started making the shorts and your, you know, your tailoring stuff. Um, what was like the first like big aha moment you had with it where you're like, oh shit, like this is, this is definitely going where I want it to. Like, was there like an event or something that happened that just gave you that like surefire like instinct? You're like, yes, like we're doing this. I think honestly, just seeing pairs of shorts that I had just taken off the sewing machine and given to one of my buddies, watching them put them on, look in the mirror and, and just be like, these are awesome. Like these are rad. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I had a lot of people tell me like, I would buy these. Like these are something that I would like go out of my way to buy. Not just because I know you, but because the right. design and the fit is exactly what I'm looking for. So I'm like, that's awesome. That's like the best feeling in the world. Creating something that not only is fun to create, but that serves utility for someone else right. as well. Okay. So did you have any want to go towards shirts, hoodies, any of that stuff? Or was it like, okay, I like the shorts and like pants type stuff. We're just going to stick with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, once I had established takeout shorts a little bit further, conceptually it just made sense to stick with shorts, right? 
there are countless numbers of startup t-shirt companies, right? All you need to do to have a t-shirt company is have a custom ink account and know how to do graphic design. But shorts stand out, right? They're mm -hmm. different. Not yeah. everyone's doing that. So decided to stick to shorts. And, you know, I have released a couple batches of t-shirts, um, mostly just to, to cover branding. materials costs yeah. and yeah, branding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for me, the only brand that really sticks out as shorts that I could think of is like Chubby's. Absolutely. That's the only brand yeah. I could ever like off the top of my head think of. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's good that you're not really at least to me, like someone, I'm pretty like, I know a decent amount of brands and the fact, now that like thinking about it, that you would be like one of two brands that I know that make shorts. So <laughs> I guess that's kind of cool. I'm, I'm sure there's more, you know, competitors out there, but it is, a, I guess it would be a, a smart idea to not go necessarily where everyone's going with fashion. Mm -hmm. It's very, uh, congested industry absolutely for sure. that's a that's a good word for it yeah that's so that's like kind of um how we started was doing clothes mm -hmm. and over the first year is very much clothes but now it's going away from clothes and we're going towards like multimedia stuff mm -hmm. just because of the nature of the industry i'm like i don't want to spend i don't know the next five ten years hoping that like our you know shirts and hoodies stand out amongst the rest but it's cool that you're you've identified an, a little niche for yourself absolutely yeah and i mean speaking to that as well the multi multimedia aspects like like i'm much more inclined to purchase a shirt if there's a podcast behind the shirt too right like yeah. if it if it means something more than just this is a cool design right yeah, yeah. i think i think our i I don't necessarily think that we're going to be so like very focused on the fashion side, mm -hmm. but it's very much more like we're just going to have really dope merch to go along with like the other shit we're doing. Cause right. I, we know how to source garments and like get like, not just like go through printful mm -hmm. and get shit like automatically like drop shipped or whatever. Yeah. So it'll still be like good quality, but it's not going to be our main focus, I guess. Um, okay. So You've been doing this for about a year. What what has the success been in that year? Uh, so doo -doo -doo, I've only gotten through like the first few months where I was still kind of figuring things out. But once I had realized that there's a potential for a business there and fleshed out the details mm -hmm. of where I wanted to take it, um, it became a whole different entity. So... I was making shorts for my friends, right? Mm -hmm. All of them really loved it, like I said. And they're repping it, too. And they're repping yeah. it, too. And on this Instagram account that I had created, um, people kept DMing me and commenting on my posts, like, let me get a pair, let me get a pair. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I want to get the people what they want. So it's like, okay, cool, let me put your name on a waiting list, let me put your name on a waiting list. And it just kept happening, kept happening. And eventually there were like over a hundred names on the waiting list. And I was like, shit, yeah, like, like <laughs> it takes me like three or four hours to make a pair of shorts by hand. Um, partially because when I'm doing it, I'm prototyping, I'm taking people's measurements and I'm tailoring it to them. But I finally 
outgrew the point where I could just make them by hand. So supply was was a lot, or excuse me, the demand was a lot higher than the supply, which right. is a which is a good problem to have. Yeah. So at that point, next logical step is to outsource production to a clothing manufacturer. Um, so started looking at clothing manufacturers. Um, spent a lot of time finding the right one, mm-hmm. and got some samples from these different places all around the world, and. Got this one really awesome sample, tested it out, had some of my buddies go down to the skate park with it and bust ass right. in as yeah. much as they could and <laughs> make sure it was up to up to par, right. threw it through the wash a bunch of times. And I was like, sick, these are great. It's from this company in the Philippines. And I was like, Word, okay, I'm ready. People want these shorts. Pull the trigger. These are the perfect shorts. Yeah. Pull the trigger. And took them about a month to make this batch of shorts. And the whole time they're updating me on the process, right? So mm-hmm. they're sourcing fabric, they're taking photos while they do it. And finally they sent me a photo of a stack of shorts in these two colors. My initial order was like green and yellow. Send me a big stack, photo of a stack of them. And they're like, all right, we're, they're done. Um, we'll ship them over as soon as you send us like the second half of the payment. Send them the second half of the payment. And they send a tracking number. It's like, okay, cool. So you're like, okay, this is happening. Word, yeah. we're there, yeah. And then I typed a tracking number in to like the little Google thing. And it says, oh, like tracking number doesn't exist. So I call them up again. And I'm like, hey, uh, don't get an answer. Email them. It's like, hey, the tracking number doesn't exist. Don't get an answer. It's been like a week oh, since shit. I last heard from them. And the whole time I had been corresponding with this company, I was being, I I thought I was being especially careful of. Right. Like he thought you were like dotting, you know, dotting all your I's, making sure you're doing your due diligence. Exactly. Right. So I had talked mm-hmm. to former customers of the company um, and yeah, crossed my T's, dotted my yeah. I's, or at least I thought I had. Um, and then. They just went completely off the grid, never responded to me again. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So what do you do next? <laughs> um, so there's not much to do from there, right? right. I just lost a bunch of money um, in the Philippines. And this is your like first big order. First big order. And people <sighs> are anticipating it too, right? Like I've yeah. told people, I have shorts coming for you. I have shorts coming for yeah. you. So, <laughs> fuck. Okay. <laughs> so essentially, from there, there's nothing I can do, right? It's not a big enough quantity of money that I lost to take it to international court, and right. that'll probably cost you more money. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So besides booking a flight to the Philippines and and going and knocking on their door, there's not much I can do. Mm-hmm. So I took the L on that one, um, and I did my best to frame it as an opportunity as a learning experience rather than just a loss. Hey man, that's, yeah. that's really incredible. Cause most people would have been like, fuck this. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> okay. So you, you say put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. What's your next step? Next step, obviously apologize to everyone that was anticipating having a pair of <laughs> yeah. shorts. Um, but luckily I didn't do anything silly like, take advance orders so I didn't have money to pay back to people right I'd lost my own personal money but 
that was fine financially. Everything was still cool. Um, so from there, decided to just double down um, on takeout and make sure that the next time I was ready to go for something like this, I was ready um, and everyone else was ready too. Mm -hmm. So this was August-ish of last year, okay. late summer, which is about eight months ago, seven months ago. Mm -hmm. So obviously end of summer, end of short season. So that gives me a lot of time to one, rest on my laurels, nurse my wounds, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and two, um, just put in a lot of back-end work. And yeah, build a brand. Exactly. Yeah. Build a brand and figure everything out. So spent a lot of time just figuring systems out, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, shipping, taxes, sales tax, getting an well, accountant. Good thing you're in Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah. Where I'm at now, um, I successfully found a clothing manufacturer. That won't fuck you over. That did not fuck me over. That's sick. <laughs> um, I got samples from about half a billion brands from about half a billion countries. Um, picked the best one. And I am currently sitting on a big shipment of shorts in my room. Hell yeah. Yeah. So those are set to drop in a couple weeks on April 20th. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. So this will be like your first official like big drop. Yes, exactly. Um, Surprise a lot of people because my communication via Instagram hasn't. Um, my communication has not reflected the fact that I have not been selling up to this point. Right. So it's just a bunch of photo photos of people wearing the shorts. Mm -hmm. Um it's reasonable to assume that they're on the market and they're up for grabs. So I still do get a lot of DMs like, hey, how do I buy a pair? And I have to tell everyone, I haven't started selling it. I haven't started selling it. But soon, in a couple of weeks now. I mean, I guess like, uh, as someone who can like relate to, you know, what you're saying, I get it because like you have to build that like visual presence of the brand to be. And so like, I think everything you've done up to this point is what I would have done mm -hmm. in terms of that. Like we did the same thing. We didn't have shit tons of stuff at first, but you just, I think people understand. Like, I don't think, has anyone, has there been any pushback because of that? Oh no, absolutely not. Um, so. and it helps that people understand that I'm a, I'm a college kid, you know, I do school, I work 20 hours a week and I'm doing takeout yeah. on the side. So, yeah. So um, I saw like recently that you were doing like a photo shoot. Was it like last weekend or something? Yeah, this past weekend just did a big shoot. So this big order came in last Thursday um, and I immediately rounded up all my beautiful, attractive friends <laughs> and I said, hey, let's do a big photo shoot. Yeah. Um, I've been working closely with my buddy Charlie, who's a really talented photographer who goes to Champlain College. That's at camera dude man on Instagram. Word. <laughs> um, and yeah, we set up like a, a big photo shoot. So yeah, that's sick. Went really well. Yeah. It looked really great. So you had the 99 neighbors involved? <laughs> Absolutely. Good yeah. Good friends with them? Yeah. Good buddies. Um, I was actually just over at Sam's place. Word. Met at the skate park a couple of years ago and yeah. 
Nice. Yeah, yeah I, I, like, briefly met them um, at Otis Mountain Get Down. Word. Because um, we've been there. And uh, we were going to do a podcast with them this this past one, but they were, like, in and out, kind of, so it didn't... So hopefully at some point I'll be able to interview them as well. For sure. But, uh, yeah, super cool. You got to nail them down before they move out to L.A. Yeah, do you know if that's, like, a soon thing? Because if so, I'm going to reach out very soon then. Little Bird told me their piece in uh, in June. All right. Well, yeah. that gives me like two months. <laughs> Word. Yeah. Um, okay. So you got this big, big drop coming soon. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what things are, do you have like any events in place for to like kind of go along with this drop? Or is it just like you're just anticipating like lots of orders right away i'm anticipating a lot of orders hopefully that'll happen Mm -hmm. i don't have a release event just because it's too much to take on as one person right yeah um i really would love to throw a huge party and just have everyone come over and grab a pair of shorts and drink a beer or whatever and, and celebrate the release but i am probably going to be up all night just fulfilling orders as is so (laughs) you will be (laughs) well that's not a bad problem to have right exactly yeah yeah i will be um immediately following the release i have a couple buddies abby and ava that are in the burlington diy scene they have an event that a recurring event that they do called Badwill. Yeah, I just heard about this. Yeah, so it's a play on off of Goodwill, um, and it's just people's clothing, um, very fashionable people's clothing that they resell. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of clothing like local clothing companies in there as well. So they're having an event up at UVM on April 23rd, which is a Tuesday, and you can grab some takeout shorts there. Have you have you done one before yeah so i was out of town for the first one there have been three bad wills and the second one i just put my own clothes up um and sold those but the last one i put a couple pairs of fleece pants in there Mm. so yeah those sold really well um it was really cool they sold out arts riot which is a local concert venue um yeah so big love big respect to ava and abby who are, yeah, that's a really dope idea. I, I, yeah. I'm curious to see where that goes. Yeah. I definitely think there's a big market for that. I mean, like, how how did the event go, the one that you went to? It was amazing. Um, there, I couldn't even give you an estimate for how many people were there, but probably in the hundreds. And it's great. It's being at an event like that for me, like half the time I don't even get the opportunity to look at all the cool clothing that's up for sale because it's all the Burlington creatives in one room together. (laughs) It's like, it's the DIY community. Yeah. So, um, it was, it was just awesome. Really cool people doing really cool things. So I'm trying to like understand how it works. Like, are you, are you just kind of like there, like mingling with people and like your clothes are just on display or are you specifically standing in front of your set clothes that you have available so it's set up just like a goodwill there's clothing racks across the whole venue okay um and then you grab something off the rack and bring it up to the bona fide register where abby and ava are checking people out okay so 
the name of the sellers written on the tag on the clothing and the price. So I was hovering around my clothes just to kind of like say hi to people. Yeah. But absolutely not mandated. Okay. That's cool. I like that idea. Yeah. So did you talk to, like, did you meet any people there that didn't know about the brand at all that ended up seeing some of your stuff? Yeah. Yeah, sure thing. I'm always giving out stickers, so I'm always good. Um, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, whenever I bump bump into somebody, um, it's like, oh, how did you figure out about this? I'm like, oh, I've got some clothes here. Yeah, got a little company. Want a sticker? Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. Okay, so, um, where where do you see this going? Like, in the next, I don't know, year. So, so. graduating about a month. Right. And if social media is can be taken as a consistent metric for how much demand there is um a liberal projection would be in about another year hopefully i'll be able to quit my job and just do takeout full time that'd be sick yeah so do you have anyone working with you directly like right now on this other than the you know the manufacturer like any like close friends or anything absolutely yeah so i don't have any employees i don't have anyone on payroll but Mm -hmm. i am working closely with a lot of people in the burlington diy scene um i have a lot of friends who do media stuff photo and video and people have been very generous with their time and skills helping me out for Marketing content, promotional content, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I've been working especially close with my buddy Charlie, who I mentioned earlier, student at Champlain, um, who really talented photographer, um, not just technically, but really good working with models and just can, like, has really work a shoot. Exactly. Yeah. Has a great vision for what he's That's doing sick. and can communicate what I want, can translate what I want into a photo, which is amazing. That's really awesome. Yeah. So how did you meet him? Uh, Just class he DM'd me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm a UVM kid. He's a Champlain Got kid. It. But okay. yeah, we fight about it every once in a while. Over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I'm curious, like, we didn't really, we, we haven't talked too much, like, in terms of just, like, mindset stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, what... You know, what's your motivation to, you know, do to, into doing all this in general? Like, what's your outlook on it? Um, hmm, <laughs> that's a good question. I would say um, I've always been a really driven and motivated person. And if I'm not doing, if I'm not putting my energy towards something productive and something that I find valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not living life to my fullest. And that reflects in my day-to-day mood. So if I if I wake up and I, I don't wake up early and I don't pull up my laptop and check my emails and start getting shit done immediately, mm-hmm. um, it's not going to be a good day. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I'm blessed or cursed again with uh just uh yeah a lot of ambition i guess okay um do you have any uh outside motivators that play into your already like 
pretty well-oiled machine that you have going? Like things that you play off of, influence, any of that kind of stuff? Absolutely. I mean, the people you're surrounded by is what I've found to be one of the biggest factors um, in achieving things. So I mentioned my buddy Caleb that I started selling with about a year ago. Mm. He's just about the most driven person that I've ever met. He was my roommate at the time that we started selling together. And if I hadn't been able to bounce ideas off of him and just to be around him every day and experience his routine of, again, waking up, getting stuff done and just like always working towards something, mm. then I don't think takeout would exist. Were you not as driven before? I would say no. I, I would honestly say living with Caleb had a permanent effect on wow. my drive. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I, I have always been driven, but just um, seeing firsthand how someone like that achieves it's so it's not it's not so much about the fact that you like it's not that you weren't driven it's it's more of like the execution right of where you're gonna put that energy yeah and that's really that's really awesome I mm -hmm. mean all it takes is you know one positive influence to change your entire life literally yeah absolutely that's that's sick okay so so he's a big influence in what you've done um is he still a part of anything you're doing like what happened to him we facetime every once in a while but the man moved down to north carolina okay um immediately after graduating from a neuroscience degree he damn had a pharma he had a a well-paying job at a local pharmaceutical consultant worked there for about a year and then moved down and now he's managing a cryptocurrency startup so holy shit he is <laughs> He is a doer. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like someone I want to talk to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, and then in terms of just content that you're, um, you know, consuming, like mm -hmm. any any people or pages or any specific things that you know stand out to you as somewhere you you look for motivation or insight into what you're doing. I would say I'm more influenced by content in the realm of creativity. Okay. So like artistic content will absolutely motivate me to try something new, try a new design or something like that. But mm -hmm. um, I, I think the people I'm around has a bigger effect on my drive yeah. than the content I consume. That's valid. Mm -hmm. That's actually interesting because I think that's a factor in a lot of people's answers, but um, it's cool to hear that that's like a very, um, it's very substantial in terms of that motivation. That's really mm -hmm. cool. And I hope that your friends listen to this because <laughs> that's really awesome to hear. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> was I, there, was, I tell them every day. I tell them. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there any, any, anything that you wanted to hit on that we didn't already? Um, yeah, sure. There's a couple of things. Um, more mindset stuff, philosophy of mindset. Okay. Where like, do you want to... Like achieving mindset. Okay. So something Kyle and I did this past summer was we took, uh, like a life coaching course mm -hmm. and 
essentially all life coaching is, is building mindset, building self-awareness and ultimately understanding what makes you, you and how you can take your intrinsic value set and put it somewhere where that you can like live the life that you want. Have you delved into any of that type of? Not really past, um, acting as my own therapist. Maybe not necessarily life coaching, but like self-awareness and, and that kind of like building into mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't done anything, any, any structured exercises, but I would say, um, just a symptom of working really hard is trying to figure out why you're working so hard. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, like I said, I think there is something intrinsic, whether it be genetic or it's something my parents did to me where I was, when I was a little (laughs) kid, that's just like, work hard, like do it. Like you're, you're not worth anything if you don't work hard, which is a stark way to put it, but it makes me work hard. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. (laughs) And I think that can be, it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing in terms of overall happiness. Mm -hmm. I think there's really, really high achievers that are really happy and really, really high achievers that are not happy. Right. And I think there's people that are content, chilling, kicking back and having a good time that are really happy and others that are totally depressed. So I know folks that achieving isn't a a day-to-day priority. They wake up every morning and they just want to have a good time. They want to make a Mm -hmm. day of it. They're not future oriented. Right. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Those are some of the best people in the world. Um, But that's just not me. That's um, I'm, I'm always looking towards the future, looking towards bettering myself and right. looking towards achieving and something. Yeah. Setting goals towards something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we didn't hit on this, so I, I wanted to hit on it real quick. Uh, what did your parents or what do they do? They still are, you know, working full time. So actually that ties in pretty well. I was talking about always being averse to a corporate job. <laughs> my dad works at Best Buy in Minneapolis okay. and my mom used to work at Target. Um, she's bounced around between other corporate jobs between, uh, since then. So I think part of my reaction towards working for a corporation um, is just my rebellious teen angst, right? <laughs> yeah. In my formative years, yeah. I was like, oh God, like, oh, my parents suck. Like they leave stupid boring lives. I don't want to do that. I want to go and do my own thing and do something creative. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're both very successful business people that love their jobs and do great things in their jobs. But that influenced me in the opposite way. <laughs> it made me not want to do it. Right. Doing. Yeah. Everyone has a phase where everything their parents does is stupid. Yeah. And that's true my phase was a little more drastic than most, I would say. (laughs) But love my parents. They're great people. And I love them for supporting what I'm doing. Yeah. So, so they do like totally on board. Absolutely. Oh yeah. They don't like my tattoos, but they like my (laughs) (laughs) same thing. (laughs) Um, so are you planning on staying in Burlington for like the long 
hall or like what's do yeah. you like do you plan on being anywhere else <laughs> so one great thing about burlington is as demonstrated by our friends at 99 neighbors you can create a fan base really quickly burlington's a city of 40 or 50,000 people and you can become the biggest fish in the pond a lot easier when True. the pond's pretty yeah. small so our friends at 99 Neighbors have used Burlington as like the perfect launching pad for a career in music. Yeah. They're insanely creative and talented people, but I would guess that if they grew up in Boston or New York City, their music would be drowned out by everyone else's. It doesn't matter how good your music is there's someone else that's it's about like it's about getting people's exactly. attention there's someone else that's doing it louder yeah. yeah so burlington is awesome and if you can garner the attention of the people around you you can gain traction really fast yeah. so burlington is like a great great place to start a business so in terms of staying or leaving burlington I absolutely love it here. The winters suck. Same thing with Minneapolis, but um, I'd, I'd like to stay here. Um, I've committed through the summer and I'll likely stay longer, but I'm also doing my best not to lock myself into anything. Yeah. I, uh, my, the last podcast I was on, I was talking, um, to, he's a host of a, a, um, a ski industry podcast. And, uh, I was asking him the same question about, whether or not he like wanted to stay for the future, whatever. And he was very much like, I don't like uh, to plan ahead in terms of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. because you, you set a weird expectation of like pigeonholing yourself to stay and like, and I feel the same way. I, I think, I think that when the opportunities present themselves, that's when you'll know. Absolutely. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. And additionally, as a 21 year old, this is realistically, one of the last points in my life that I'll just have complete autonomy. I don't have responsibilities. I don't have a family. I don't have a kid right. and I don't have a, a mortgage. So I can <laughs> yeah. just, I can do whatever the hell I want. It's a very peculiar time, isn't it? Yeah. But it's kind of the idea that if I get sick of this place, I can just freaking go backpacking in Europe. Like that's amazing. I can just up and leave. Great feeling. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely, see a lot of people our age and just kind of like, like you were saying before, it's totally fine if you're not the kind of person to set these goals and want to be creating all this stuff and you mm -hmm. just want to just live life however, you know, day, day by day, just chilling with friends or whatever. But part of me always kind of wants to like push some people and just be like, yo, like you're never going to get this time back. <laughs> like, yeah. it's going to be different when you want to start your own project and you're already married and have a kid. Like, Absolutely. That stress is going to make things so much more difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just wish more people our age, like, found that thing that they want to do now as opposed to later. Yeah, or at least dived into something crazy. Right, yeah. like to triple down on something that they're really good at and they yeah. just like take it to the next level kind yeah. of thing. Uh-huh. I think it's hard though. So I I think there's a lot of self-doubt in people um just because of the nature of their society. Everyone's cynical. <laughs> well, not everyone, but yeah. there's like this general sense of cynical and like 
like, for example, media, very focused on negativity. Mm -hmm. So I can see how that can rub off on, like, the psyche of our country alone. Yeah, sure. Another thing is I feel like a, a big chunk of our population doesn't see things in the same light as entrepreneurs do. They they play by the rules, right? So they get a degree in college and then they use their degree to get a job and then they use that job to get um, promotions, right. which is great, that's fine. But people that are more entrepreneurial minded can just like look around at what's going on and say, there's no rules. Like you can do whatever you want. In my case, like you can, create a clothing company like even though you're 20 years old what's stopping yeah you? like you can <laughs> just go do it or like there's no big rappers in burlington right now we're 99 neighbors we can get good at rapping we can find marketing people we can find models we can find producers we can make a collective and we can blow up and that's exactly what they're doing it's awesome yeah it's crazy to me because especially like now like 2019 there's, like I was saying before, there's so many resources at every single person's fingertips. Yeah. Like, right now, I'm learning how to use Ableton. Because I want to I wanna make, like, EDM music and bring it as a creative outlet within the brand that we're building. Mm -hmm. And I'm literally just watching YouTube videos. And I found a couple, like, same thing you did. I found a couple of other people doing cool shit in the area. And I'm, like, learning from them as well. So, Word. like, I think... That comes back to the mindset, though. It's like you need to be able to identify that it takes a little bit of effort to, you know, pull some things off. Absolutely. But. And even if you do have a solid work ethic, you have to think creatively about the world around you. And yeah. you have to be able to identify opportunities. Right. Um, like in your case, like just starting a freaking multimedia company. Like, why the hell not? Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. There's plenty of extremely intelligent and, again, extremely motivated people that are putting their energy towards being a doctor, which is a, which is a very noble cause, mm -hmm. but completely different mindset than, than what we're doing as right. entrepreneurs. Yeah. All, and unless they, like, are super passionate and that's, like, what they love to do every day, then, yeah. then I'd be, like totally like understanding of that like yeah oh i'm push. By, yeah <laughs> i'm by no means looking down on them in fact i no i, I wasn't like, saying that either but I'm just yeah like, that's, I, I a, yeah it's a it's just a it's a different way of approaching life yeah very much so um i think in terms of i and the reason i specifically sought you out like one identifying the fact that you're doing okay you're you're relatively new into doing a project mm -hmm. like this um which i didn't know how long you were doing it but i was like figuring okay at least like between one and five years was what i'm guessing <laughs> um but just seeing like okay this is someone who's identified something in their life that they really fucking love yeah and it's like that's who we want to talk about and that's like the whole premise of this podcast is talking with people who are just doing cool shit. Like, I think for us, it's giving people the, like giving people the opportunity to 
you know, tell an audience of people that had no idea about them what they're doing. Word. And hopefully over time, more people will listen. Um, but I think at now it's just consistently, you know, putting people like you on the floor and giving like this podcast is going to be out there forever. Yeah. You know, word. Well, I, I so absolutely like, <laughs> appreciate, I, I appreciate you giving me this platform. It's, it's yeah. been awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so curious, are you planning on going to any music festivals to bend at all this summer? Yeah. Uh, da, da, da. so depends on inventory is the honest right. answer. Um, right now I'm in a great position where I'm working a part-time gig that I can make rent with. Mm -hmm. So I'm not relying on my business to keep me afloat. And I'm using this first order to figure out my inventory processes, figure out my shipping processes, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So if I have extra shorts on hand, um, for waking windows for UVM spring fest, um, then yeah, I'll be there selling shorts. Hell yeah. yeah. We actually, uh, got a, well, I don't know, like we, so I, we applied for waking windows mm -hmm. and I got a response, but the response was very much like they didn't know where they were going to have the vendors this year and they didn't know how much space they would have for Ooh. all the vendors. So <laughs> I'm still like on a, they don't know who's going to be vending this year, <laughs> which is so weird, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would, I guess as an entrepreneur who's done clothing just about a year more than you, mm -hmm. advice I would throw is just like festivals are going to make, like, it sounds like you have a good pull already, which mm -hmm. is super dope. That's something that we had a little bit of trouble with starting out, but we also started out in Penneville, which has probably less than a thousand people. <laughs> so like we're working with a totally different situation. Yeah. Um, but I like, honestly, festivals are cash cows. Right on. Like hundred percent. That's great. We identified that going to Otis the first year. Yeah. And I mean, from the first year to the second year, we more than doubled our sales within that, like that next year, yeah. we sold that much more That's just, great. just because people remembered us and we had cooler stuff. Like think about the quality and the styles you're going to have a year from now. Mm -hmm. So for me, like if I was going to like, if I was like in your shoes, I would at least identify like one to five festivals that you could like 100% pull off going to yeah absolutely um within the year for me currently my bigger concern is accruing demand rather than than cash I think festivals would likely be a great place for that too mm -hmm. you know even if I dude you meet so many cool people yeah word that's like the best part of it yeah I think it's not even necessarily like like yeah part of it our intent is to sell you know, our product. Mm. But I've, the first time it was like very much like, Oh, we're going, we're going to sell our stuff. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, we're going to be there vending, but like, I care more about just like the quality connections I'm going to make. Yeah. Because that's your chance to, you know, put a face to the brand mm -hmm. and talk to people who might end up becoming like raving fans of whatever you're doing. That's perfect. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it, you know, leave that there for you to, I'm, I'm sure you've thought about doing doing it before. So it's not like news to you, but mm -hmm. 
festivals are dope. Yeah. Like, you basically, if you pull it off right, you end up getting paid to go to a festival. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds all right. Yeah. Um, I definitely would, uh, I definitely would um, apply for Otis, though. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, you would totally get in. That's a good tip. I'll plan on doing that. Because, like, for Matt and I, uh, we're the only two clothing brands there. Wow. The last two years, and then he was the only clothing brand. The, the He's been there one year longer than me. Yeah. And I really have, I think we have a vision for what their merch or their, uh, I guess their their marketplace that they have going on there could be that they don't really I don't think they necessarily care as much about it as we do. Mm-hmm. I think it's like all festivals have that like marketplace, but it's just an aspect of it that they care more about like the festival goers and the music, which is totally valid. But I think there's an opportunity for creatives like us to make an impact in that area. Where it's like we'll 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 figure out what it'll what it will turn into. Sure, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um so like I have this really cool idea of more or less making like combined booths with like like a communal space in between where it's like a lounge type area where like people can be like chilling while I don't know, like just like a cool spot to be at a festival, basically. Yeah. And like chilling with people who are doing cool shit. I don't know. I think that there's a lot of people doing cool shit and like they can bring, they can bring like a positive influence to something like an event like that, that wasn't necessarily planned ahead of time by the people running that festival. Sure. Absolutely. And more or less bring, bring free value yeah. to them without like being asked for it plus if a casualty of selling shorts at a music festival is i get to go to that sick music festival yeah (laughs) literally that's great (laughs) that's always my thought process too it's like well at the end of the day even if we sell like we could sell nothing maybe only like a couple things i'm still gonna have a good time yeah so yeah i'll definitely leave you with a couple um a couple dope festivals you should at least check out yeah um yeah so if you want this plug, plug your shit, any, or any last words you want to say to any, you know, just like on anything coming up with you and then plug your stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, let me think. Like I said, my shorts are dropping April 20th, um, at takeout shorts on Instagram, um, at Cameron dude, man, that's my buddy, Charlie. He's the best. <laughs> I think that's about it. Do you have a website? I sure do. It's takeoutshorts.com. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, sick. Thank you for coming and doing this. It was fun. Absolutely. Thank you, Andy. It was really cool being on here. And it's great that you have this platform for entrepreneurs. Hell yeah. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Thank you again to Sammy for being on the show. We are so hyped on takeout shorts since we did this recording a few weeks back sammy has actually released his first line of shorts as he mentioned at the end of the podcast and they already sold out i'm so so hyped for you man and i just hope you all the best in the coming months and years ahead you definitely have a good thing going for you and if we can help you out in any way in the future don't hesitate to reach out and ask we would 100 percent 
be willing to give advice or collaborate, you name it. We, we just want to, you know, help continue your growth as much as we can. If you haven't already, give this podcast a follow. That way you can be notified whenever we post new episodes. We are Boho Hobo. You can follow us at Boho underscore Hobo underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Boho Hobo for Facebook and YouTube. And our website is BohoHoboLifestyle.com. Thanks again for tuning in. We will see you next week for episode 26 with Dalton Dobson, who is a local photographer from the city of Syracuse. We're excited for that one and hope you have a great rest of your week, weekend, whenever you're listening to this episode. Peace out.